this feels like totally like like bathing naked or something like that. This not even not even allowed. So I'm I'm absolutely thrilled. And I don't know, like looking back into these weeks and months uh, of Corona. I mean, we're still in it, right? But this lockdown situation, all of that. Um, I ask myself. What are parts of the lesson that I that I learned during those weeks? Because the thing, thing is, every crisis comes with a lesson, right? The problem is sometimes we pretty pretty uh, pretty pretty soon forget the lesson that we've learned once we are some steps away from the crisis. Yeah, have, have you, are you aware of that? Once you're in a crisis, you say, "I'm going to change my life. I'm never going to back to going to go back to normal." But as soon as the crisis for, is, is is over, you're you're back to normal. So here is one thing that I personally learned in the crisis, and I'm I'm going to stick with it, and that has to do with pessimism. So, so one of my lessons is I'm going to I'm going to to believe less what the pessimists say because I don't know if you, if if you still remember. Uh, if you if you go back in time, let's say March, April, it's crazy the amount of absolutely pessimist projections and pessimist outlooks and 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 and, and even prophecies that have become normal. Like it would have been normal at large March, uh, late March, to uh, to hear to hear things like hundreds of thousands are going to die. Everybody is going to know at least one person who has died from COVID-19, which is. Which is crazy, because then you start thinking, well, whom am, whom am I going to know who, who died? Maybe, maybe my grandmother or my grandfather. Maybe you're happy if some of your relatives die, but, but maybe you're shocked. And it's like, and all this swirl of thoughts. And there is one thing that really stuck with me that I found absolutely destructive, which is the sentence. You still hear it sometimes today. It's, it goes like this. The world is never going to be the same anymore. I, this is absolutely shocking. I mean, what, what does it mean? The world is not. Yeah, this means no more holidays, no more weddings, no more giving birth. No, that's not. What, what, what's the reason of this? What, what's the meaning of, of sentence like the world is never going to look like before? This is crazy. And honestly, I'm, it's not just crazy. I'm, I'm really offended. I'm really angry at this 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 easiness with which pessimism was thrown around during those times, because actually people do get very, very anxious. Because those pessimist projections, they do have power. And this is a little bit what I want to talk to you about. First of all, you have to realize, and I, and I learned, words like that, just simple phrases like that, the world is never going to be the same, have actually power. Words have power, especially spoken words do have power. And not just to the positive. So, so, so just spreading things around, and this is this is what really annoys me with a pessimist, because you know the pessimist uh, considers himself in a state of superiority. Like, yeah, I'm not that naive. I look at all these little children; they do believe that the world is going to go in a good direction, but I know better. Yeah, and you're soon gonna realize how mistaken you were, right? And then if things turn out for the better, they never they never say sorry. They never say, "Oh, I was wrong." They say, "Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, it's, it's, it's good that I, at least I warned you, right?" No, you've not just warned us; you've poisoned the atmosphere, right? With fear, with unbelief, with with pessimism, with negativity, and this is this is something that words actually do. So here comes what's the deeper context of it. During this Corona times, we we loved looking at charts, right? We've become experts. Oh, the numbers are 
increasing, or is decreasing a little bit, oh, but it's, it's, it starts to increase again. Now, <laughs> what's the problem with the chart? What's the problem with the statistic? The problem with the statistic is a figure alone, a number alone, doesn't give you any context at all. Is, this, is it increasing or is it decreasing? Well, it depends what the context is, right? First of all, the context can be, maybe, maybe we've come from here, right? Then we say, well, it's, it's still increasing. But, but maybe we've come from, from, from here, and you say, well, this is a pretty good number. And then you don't know where we're going. You can say, it, it, it's going all the way from here. And we've seen those projections. It's going you know, a big, 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 big wave. It's interesting. Everybody speaks about the second wave right now. How can everybody, anybody know that there's a second wave coming? Nobody knows that. But like everybody says, second wave, yeah, I assume the second wave. Maybe there's a second wave. Maybe there's a third wave. Maybe there's no wave at all. Maybe it's up and down. Nobody knows, right? But, 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 but we are interpreting all the time. Now, here, the things, Google, don't let this as well. I'm not speaking about actually about Corona today. I'm just using that as an example. And the example is, the more interpretation there is, the more faith is involved. See, if you believe it's going in this direction, or it's going in this direction, in both, in both ways, it's an interpretation. It's not in the numbers. And you can apply this for every situation in your own life. Because we have only, we have a limited scope. We have access to a limit, limited set of data, right? You can say, in my life, it, it's, it's going like this and going like that. But now it's the question, where interpretation, in which direction is it going? And then second question is, what is the coordinate system, right? What, let's say, coming back to corona, let's say, what is there? Well, if up there is, we are all going to die, well, this is probably very threatening, right? But if here is mortality rate like a normal flu, well, then this is actually, it's not so shocking, right? But the coordinate system is not involved in the data, you have to understand that. That's a little bit philosophical, but it applies to everything in your life, right? The, the question is, what is the coordinate system you measure your life with, right? Because if the coordinate system is stable and gives you perspective, you can, you can evaluate the data or whatever occurs in your life with clarity, without panic, without, without so much fear. So... You have to understand there is faith involved. Because even people who don't believe in God, they still have a coordinate system for their life. They have a measurement how, uh, which they apply on, on their life, which is like, which is the highest goal? Which is, uh, what, what is the set of values? Everybody has that. And the more interpretation, the more faith. Now, this brings, maybe this sounds pretty philosophical, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to become very practical because now you're in this situation. You're stuck in the middle, and the question is, what are you going to believe? Because what you're going to say, what you're going to speak out loudly, especially what you speak out loudly, will have an effect on yourself or on others. So this would be a, a rather philosophical uh, or scientific approach to the very, very simple fact or the simple, simple thing that the Bible calls faith, right? We, we oftentimes believe, well, the world is just the way it is, 
And, and, and I describe it the way it is, but it's not the way, it's, it, it's, rather, it's rather the other way around, right? So the biblical concept of language is not so much that I describe what I see, but it's rather if I speak something, it calls something forth into existence. God creates by speaking. And what you say with your mouth is not irrelevant. It will have an effect. So this is like, yeah, if, you, if this was too much, too much of philosophy, I'm going to bring it down to a very simple story. It's a biblical story. Maybe you know it. Now, the good thing with this biblical story is if you don't believe in miracles, if you don't believe in God, if you only believe in science, you can still take the story as a symbolic story and it's still going to work for you. This is, this is brilliant. By the way, it works with almost every biblical story. You can always ask the question, is, that is this historic well, or is it symbolic? The thing is, it can be both. It can be a historically true story but you can apply it in a symbolic way for your personal life. So, so you don't have, to, you don't have to, to fight around the Adam and Eve. Was that even real? Come on, everything in there is true for your own life. And this is where the rubber hits, hits the soil, right? This is where it's going to get interesting, that it actually makes, um, does something with your own life. Well, I do believe that this is historically possible, but this is not the main point of my argument. Sorry for, again, being so philosophical. Now, it's, it's going to get very simple. Because the story goes like that. This is two guys, and they start their journey. Their name is Paul and Silas. They start their journey. They go to a city called Philippi. And this is in, a, it's in northern Greek. It was uh, Greece. It was a very influential city. You can still go there. It's maybe one hour drive from Kavala in northern Greece. And you can see... Um, the ruins and everything of the antique city, and they wanted to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. So they are very motivated by a good thing, they, a good cause. They want to help people and stuff. But this mission trip doesn't turn out all too well because the inhabitants of the city, they don't, they don't like to hear that message. So it goes like this. So after they were beaten, they, after they had beaten them severely, they threw them into prison and commanded the jailer to guard them securely. Receiving such orders, he threw them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So you have to paint yourself, you have to picture yourself the situation. First of all, I don't know whom of you have ever been to, to, to the prison. I mean, not as a visitor, but actually jailed. And then the second thing is, what is a prison um, back in this time, right? Speaking about air conditions, speaking about sanity, speaking about health. Well, it's an ugly, it's a smelling place. Um, there are animals living there. It's, it, it's not, not, not nice to, to be thrown in a prison and you can't, you can't free yourself. And then we read, so we read that they had their feet locked in a stock, so they were unable to move. I find that, personally, I find that very shocking because you can't move. You're stuck and you can't move. You can't even pull to the, um, you can even turn to the other side. You're stuck. And then they say, it's, it's not even just a normal cell. It's the inner cell. So this is like the, the you know, the whatever, high, high security room, whatever. It, it's a dark place. It's a dangerous place. And we heard before that they had been beaten severely. Well, and beaten severely is not like this and this, but it's beaten with rods, it's slashed. It's, they, they have wounds, they are bleeding. Now, you can't move, you're bleeding, 
and they are animals, or it's, it, well, it's, 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 it's a dirty place, uh, this is, this is an actually very, very, very uh, frightening situation. And see, sometimes we, we find ourselves in places like that, maybe not in literal jail, but sometimes people are stuck in a place where they, they can't move and they're hurting and they're lonely and they can't free themselves, like locked up in the inside. For me, honestly, the most shocking part is that, I mean, they started to, to do something good and they end up in jail. No, they, they, they didn't try a robbery or something like that. They wanted to do something good. And I think this is, this is the most shocking thing. If you try to do something good, you try to do everything right, and you end up locked up, hurt, and, and, and lonely and broken. So if I was Paul or Silas, <laughs> probably I would have complained to God. I would say, oh, this is how you treat your, your, your friends, right? So I was a fool to trust your voice. I was a fool to to take the Grand Commission literally and actually to preach. This would be the very normal thing. This would be the pessimist version, right? Pessimist version would be, right, I'm here and it's, and it's going, it's going to go downwards from here. Of course, I know it. I've known it before. It, the thing is, the pessimist, non-believing route is always the easier. Because... It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't take any courage to say it's, it's, it's downwards from here. It's not, it's not, not going anywhere because you don't take any responsibility. If you're, if you're saying, no, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. Everything will be good. God will be faithful. You take res responsibility because if it's still going wrong, people will say, ah, you know, you were wrong. Right. But faith takes courage. So I find it very courageous what we read about Paul and Silas just the next verse. Because what they do is not complaining all night long and how much are we hurting, which would be very understandable. But quite the opposite. What we read is, I find it, I find it fascinating. About midnight. I mean, midnight. Come on, they must be exhausted. They should be sleeping. About midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns and the, uh, to God. And the rest of the prisoners were listening to them. Interesting thing. What you say, people will always listen. You know, it's, you're not on an island. People will, people will have, have antennas. They will realize how, how, how you do in a crisis. And it will always have an effect on others as well. So, suddenly a great earthquake occurred so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors flew open and the bonds of all the prisoners came loose. Again, no matter if you believe something like that can happen literally, it definitely is human reality that things like that happen. Things like that do happen. Because here comes what Paul and Silas do. Paul and Silas, they don't neglect the fact, they don't deny the fact that they are bound up in a prison, but they have a coordinate system that is higher. They don't let, and this is very important, they don't let their current situation define their overall perspective on life. And it's wisdom to not do that. It's wisdom, even if you're in the valley, to realize that the valley is not all there is. 
See, and this is not just positive thinking. This is not, yeah, eventually everything will be going well. Well, it didn't go well for Jesus either, right? Jesus trusted God and he, and he was crucified and he died, you know? It didn't go well for Stephen either, but the same guy who had Stephen stoned to death is now Paul. And Paul remembered that this Jesus rose because he had seen him on the road to Damascus, uh, to, to Damascus. And he had seen that, that Stephen died in a way that made the gospel explode in, in, in fruitfulness all throughout the region. So they knew there is something higher than my current situation. And this something higher is that God is good. He's really there. He's powerful. And I love the fact that they didn't give in to, to, to desperation, to sadness and complaining, but they started to believe and they started to pray. And you know what? Oftentimes we pray, you know, like we, we, we plead, God, please, please help us, please help us. It's an act of faith to worship God. It's an act of faith to sing praises to God. But here comes the thing. They didn't start singing after the miracle happened, but before. Oftentimes we're pretty good in praising God after the miracles happened, but the secret is in the middle of it and before it. And you have all the good reasons to stay in your little cavern and to complain. Yes, I know that. These voices of pessimism, it's never going. I, I know those voices. But you are, you're not helpless. You're not a victim. You're made to rule. And to speak truth is actually one way to rule. The first thing that Adam was mandated by God in the Garden of Eden had something to do with his words. Give names to all the animals. Well, this is what a, this is what a governor does. If there is a new, a, a new city, if there is a new road, who gets to name the road? Not necessarily the people who live there. Has to do with rulership. Has to do with, with leadership. So what they do is, They start to proclaim that God is good. They start to focus on the higher coordinate system. And what happens is very interesting. What suddenly happens is that power from this higher dim dimension is released into their respective situation and freedom comes. See, this is what fear and pessimism do. Fear and pessimism limit, limit your capacity to breathe, limit your capacity to think clearly and, and, and robs your freedom. But God is the one who sets captives free. And I love the fact that it didn't stay with Paul and Silas alone. But once they had their breakthrough, suddenly all the chains of all the other prisoners fell off too. And this is what you're called to do. Not just to survive in order to get to heaven, which is a good thing, by the way, but to create an atmosphere of faith around yourself. And this starts with how you speak and what you post, what you write on Twitter, what you, what you say to other people. Because chains are falling off if people realize there is a higher thing, right? There is a higher coordinate system than everything that, that I see right now and what people say right now. This is your calling. I want to give you six very simple steps that you can, you can apply 
in your everyday life, if you feel yourself stuck, oftentimes has to do with emotions. So these are six points how to deal with negative emotions. Be it fear, panic, anger, disappointment, you can apply it to all of them, stress even. The first thing is, as always, acknowledging is what do I feel right now? Whatever you push away, whatever you deny, will eventually kick back worse. So a feeling is just a feeling. It's not wrong and it's not right. It's not true, it's not false. It's just there. You cannot push away feelings. You cannot pray away feelings. So Paul and Silas, right now, they are stuck in their dungeon and this is just a fact. So the first thing is, even you, you can ask the question, how do I feel the stress right now? How do I feel this panic right now? Where do I feel it in my body? The first step is saying, admitting I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm fearful right now. Okay, that's, that's how you are right now. This is just a reality. But then the second, second interesting thing is, the question, which thoughts are connected with this feeling? So, oftentimes we have a feeling, and out of the feeling we rush into action. And I cannot give you that advice. This is not a good idea. Because with the feeling, a feeling is neutral. It's, it's, it's not wrong, it's not right. But thoughts are true or false. You have to understand me very, very clearly. You're fearful, this is just normal. You're, you're a normal person. Even Jesus was afraid. But in this situation, in this emotional situation, there comes a thought. And the thought says, like, things are going to go very, very bad, and nobody helps me, and I'm alone, there's nothing I can do. So, and you have to, you have to detect which feelings are attached to these emotions, because thoughts are wrong or right. There's no neutral ground on thoughts. So, you have to ask the question, number three, are they true? Are those thoughts true? If you are in panic mode, you shouldn't believe everything you're thinking. You shouldn't always believe all your thoughts at night, especially. Or, or if you're in love, or if you're furious, or if you're drunk. Uh, you're never drunk, I know. Now, like, in any highly emotional state, you shouldn't believe all you think, right? You have to come to the conclusion, are those thoughts really true? And of course, the fourth step is, no, they are not true. You have to speak out the higher truth. You have to replace it. And you have to do that. This is like a muscle that grows if you apply those principles. And I found myself in one corona day, it was uh, late March, I think. Yeah, I, I was reading newspapers and stuff and all those fearful projections, all this pessimism. And I was waking up at half past two in the night. And I was, my heart was, you know, I, I felt I'm really angry. I'm, I'm really, I'm fearful, and I'm not, a very, um, I'm not a very fearful person by nature, but words do have power. And I had to get through those steps, and I found myself believing lies. So I started to, actually I turned our worship web stream on, and I started to speak out, God, you're, you're greater. This thing is going to go away eventually. It, God, you are greater. Now, how, for how long do you have to do this. First of all, you have to, you have to speak it out loud. Yeah? It's not that God doesn't hear you if you don't speak it out loud, but sometimes our own ears have to hear it. It's like with worship, you know? People ask, how do you, how, why do you sing the same chorus five times? God had, 
God heard it, you sang it the first time. Yeah, God, God heard it the first time, but maybe you yourself haven't. Sometimes we need repetition. God doesn't need repetition, but our subconsciousness does. Sometimes we have to repeatedly say things until we hear it, and we say it out loud until our subconsciousness, our belly, our emotions hear it. Because words do have power. This is not magic. This is how your brain works. And then comes the fun part. You speak out the higher truth until you feel it, because eventually you will feel the release of freedom, the release of positivity, of perspective in your situation. This really works, because the word of God is stronger than your emotions. It's stronger than the turmoil you're going through, stronger than all the negative words. It's really strong, but you do have to apply it and on a daily basis. And of course, the last thing is you might want to check your input, your input, because the more stuff, the more media you take in, the more time you need to digest. And you do need time without any media. You do need time in silence. You, you definitely do. You do need time in the Word of God. You do need, you do need time reading good books. It's not, media keeps, especially social media, keeps us in this swirl of opinions. And we believe all of that. And you are called to shape your world. You actually, words firm your world. And you are made to shape your world from a higher perspective, the perspective of God and the world of those around you. See, the beautiful thing is, if you feel in the cavern like that, I have a good news. Paul wasn't alone there. He had a friend next to him, Silas. And wherever you're stuck in the cavern, you're not alone there. You have a friend next beside you who was broken, who was put in prison, was chained. His name is Jesus. He's not just waiting up there to say, I'm waiting for you once you're through your faith battle. No, he's right there beside you. And he's waiting until you are willing enough to take your sword. He's your friend even in the midst of the turmoil. But he's also your trainer, your coach. He said, but you know what? You're called to form your world. So take responsibility and don't believe all those pessimists. So I invite you to stand up, to take our stand, so to say, even physically, it's your, your body matters. It's the difference if you speak something, if you stand or if you sit, sometimes you have to stand up physically and mentally. You say, I'm gonna take my responsibility. And then we focus on God who's higher. No, I have no idea what you're going through, financially or, or, or mentally or emotionally or, or health-wise or relationship-wise. But there is something greater. This is not all there is to the story. There is something greater. And Lord, we lift you high. In the midst of our midnights, as we sang before, in the midst of our feeling stuck from time to time, we lift our eyes and we say, you're greater than all of this. You have solutions and nothing can separate us from your love. And we declare that for those who love you, Jesus, all the things, all the things, everything will have to work together for good. This is crazy because all of things is implying all things. This is a lot. So whatever you're going through can become... <laughs> 
a source for your destiny and a key to unlock the chain in the next crisis and to unlock the chains and the prisons for others as well. So Lord, we fix our eyes on you. We proclaim that you are greater, you are higher, and your plans are greater. You reign supreme. You are you're the king above the storm, over the flood. We worship you. Amen.